Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You can remain standing. This, this is a, a very special guest we have here today. Just, I'm really so happy when I heard he was here. It was so, such a blessing for me. Uh, he's a friend of the ministry. He was a commencement speaker for River University in 2018. Uh, it was absolutely epic. He works, worked in the Capitol Hill. He's an evangelist preaching all over the world and on his TV program called By Faith. Please help give a warm river welcome to Dr. Frank Shelton. Thank you so much. Wow, thank you guys. Thank you so much. Wow, praise the Lord. You know, this is home away from home for me. I, uh, I love Pastor Rodney and Adonica. They are giants to me. And they not only promote the Lord, they promote others. And I'm telling you, when we honor God and promote others, I believe the Lord smiles. They're the best of the best. Can we give a loud Sunshine State round of applause to Pastor Rodney and Adonica Howard Brown. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, I had dinner last night um, with Bruce and Wendy, and, and I absolutely love them. And then um, there's Granny Dawn over here in the corner. She follows me on Instagram, so I feel really important, amen? But you know, their family is royalty. They are kids of the king. And uh, you're going to sit in a minute, but just stand up because we're getting ready to give the Lord the loudest applause of the night. But guys, I've been honored to preach in a few places. I, I preached in stadiums. I recently was the keynote address speaker at Andrews Air Force Base. My friend does travel for the President of the United States. He was semi-retiring from Air Force One, and I had the honor to speak there with a bunch of D.C. dignitaries. We've ministered on the Hill to Hollywood to a few Olympics but being at the river in Tampa Bay is one of the greatest honors of my ministry. But I'm here tonight not to talk about me. I'm talking about the one who made you, died for you, and coming back for you. Can we give the Lord a loud Florida round of applause? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Pastor Eric Mears and I literally live about 30 miles from each other from where his family's from in the DMV. And uh, they've done a great work at the great Evangel Cathedral right across from Six Flags. And to be quite honest, uh, their church looks bigger than Six Flags. And in fact, it is because Six Flags is temporal, but the church is eternal. Amen. <laughs> Guys, I just want to tell you, when I think of the word, the stand behind me, you know, this is night 665, and uh, I can't wait for tomorrow night because 666 has nothing on the triune God. The devil is no match for divinity. Lucifer has nothing on the Lord, and hell is nothing compared to heaven. And, you know, I love numbers. Jesus fed 5,000 one night, 4,000 the next, hung out with 12, spoke to a woman wounded at the well. One is still a big number. And when you do it for an audience of one, though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. When I think of the stand, I think of the Lord. Jesus said, having done all, stand. He said, in the last days, occupy till I come. He said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? Some of the biggest churches in America cave like a deck of cards. They wrote books on faith, they taught faith, they preached faith, 
But when the pandemic that was planned through a curveball, they caved. And you know what? God gave me a word. If you didn't have a backbone in 2020, you don't deserve a microphone in 22. Amen. At one time, I was voted literally the nicest in my elementary school. I was voted the nicest in my middle school, voted the nicest in a high school. Not homeschool, not private school, not Christian school, a public school. But see, God called us to be a welcome mat, yes, but a doormat, no. And here's the thing. Some people think niceness is weakness. At one time, literally voted the nicest in the county, but when the pandemic came, some said, I was one of the boldest in the country. Who you hang out with is what you become. Where does the boldness come from? The Bible. And guys, I'm telling you, it also came from your pastor. The Bible said, having done all stand, can we give Pastor Rodney and Adonica one more round of applause? Amen. Home away from home for me is the airport. Say airport. airport. Look to your neighbor on your right and say, tonight's going to be good. Look to your other neighbor on your left and say, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> Amen. You know, people who think that God is boring or the Bible is boring don't know either. Jesus is not boring. And it's just a joy to be here tonight. True story. I just finished preaching a tent revival two nights ago in Statesville, North Carolina. The night before me was the Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina, and the night before him was my friend Clayton King. We both preached to 120,000 at Nelson Mandela Soccer Stadium in Uganda. But I had the honor to close it up Wednesday night, and I'm preaching revival Palm Sunday through Wednesday in Bonita Springs, and uh, I'm going to be on CTN television but I drove 600 miles to get here yesterday. Amen. But you know what? When the church is alive, it's worth the drive. And I not only would have drove here, I would have walked here. And I know I'm speaking to a lot of the RBI group, and I want to thank the dean for the invite, but watch this. A lot of people want the platform, but not everyone's willing to pay the price. And God told me, if you're too big to do the little things, you're too little to do the big things. And I'd love one day soon to get a jet for Jesus. I'd love to get a Lear for the Lord. I'd love to get a Gulfstream for God. Amen? But until then, I'm going to keep moving forward by faith. But when I talk about the stand, say stand. Home away from home for me is the airport. And uh, one time, I was uh, getting ready get on a plane, I sit next to an 82-year-old lady. And uh, we get ready down the runway, and we go up 33,000 feet. It's a three-hour flight. If I'm in a really good mood, they'll say, well, what's your name? I say, Frank Shelton. Well, what do you do for a living? I'll tell them I'm a motivational speaker, and we'll speak all night long. But if I'm running on empty, I just did 15 school assemblies last week in North Carolina, 15 school assemblies in five days. But if I'm running on empty, Running on empty, they said, what's your name? I'm Frank. What do you do for a living? I'm a preacher of the gospel. They let me sleep the rest of the night. But that's only half true. You know what? The gospel, when it's presented right, doesn't put anyone asleep. It wakes them back up. But I'm on this flight, safe flight, and we're 33,000 feet. 
And I'm next to this 82-year-old lady, and she said, what's your name? I said, Frank. And she goes, are you married? And at the time, I was still single. I was trusting the Lord. I was like, Lord, put someone right next to me. She says, well, I have been married four times. I said, four times? She said, four times. She goes, you want to be number five? <laughs> amen. I said, ma'am, I got to pray about that. Can I get an amen? I was born at night, but not last night. I said, well, ma'am, it's a two and a half hour flight. I got to ask you a question. What did the first one do for a living? She goes, I married the vice president of a bank. God blessed. He taught Sunday school, loved the Lord. And after 18 years of marriage, God called him home. Ma'am, I'm sorry to hear he passed, but I'm happy to hear he's with the Lord. I got to ask you, what was husband number two? She said, you know Wayne Newton. My heart dropped. You married Wayne Newton? No, but my second husband opened up for Wayne Newton Vegas 13 times. He was a Christian showman, used his gift for the Lord. We were married 10 years and God called him home. I said, wow, so you were married to a banker and entertainer. I said, what was the third? She goes, you'll love this. He was a preacher. I said, well, praise the Lord. She said, praise the Lord. Saw thousands saved. We were married 15 years and God called him home. I said, so you were married to a banker, an entertainer, and a preacher. I said, I got to ask you, what was the fourth one? She goes, you'll love this. I married the local funeral home director. I said, the local funeral home director? She said, yep, I married one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. Amen. Amen. So I'm at the airport. Now I'm on the plane. Maybe your theology is perfect, but I'm just going to be real. Because if I can't be real here, we ain't going to be real out there. Amen. Let me break it down for you tonight. Can I get an amen? I'm white. There's someone in the back. He ain't right. Amen. Hey, y'all better buckle up. They call me the white Jesse Jackson. Praise the Lord. So if you're 33,000 feet and you've been talking to an 82-year-old lady for three hours and you've got to use the restroom, I'm just being real, are you still an American if you've got to use the bathroom? No, you're Russian. You're Russian to get in there. Can I get an amen? Now, once you're in the bathroom, are you still an American or are you Russian? European, praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> now, what happens when you're done? Are you American? Are you Russian, European? No, you're finished, and that will preach. Amen. I'm going to take some of you to school tonight. Look to your other neighbor and say, you better put on your seatbelt. <laughs> Do you know what I found in every porta potty and every lavatory? I was on a train from Washington to New York, and I was preaching at an all-black church in Brooklyn. I got off at Madison Square Garden, and... Uh, I know I'm hitting you with a lot of stuff, but I'm not kidding. I was minding my own business. But when you're on the Amtrak, at least I was on the right track. Can I get an amen? Yeah. People get ready. There's a train coming. Don't need no ticket. Just get on. Are you with me? But I was minding my own business, and, you know, the train is shaking. There was a whole lot of shaking going on. And, and, and I'm just going to be real, but I didn't ask for this, but the bathroom door opened, and this poor person is just doing their thing, and I saw the whole thing, and I didn't even sign up for it. Are you with me? But guys, I want to tell you, even in the Amtrak, I saw there is a lavatory there on the plane and in a porta potty on the ground. It will say vacant or occupied. And during the pandemic, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, 
He said, Frank, there's times you've been on a plane, a train, even a porta potty, and if it's occupied, it usually stinks to high heaven. And what the Lord told me, what stinks to the nostrils of the Nazarene in the middle of the pandemic that was planned, where most churches played it too safe instead of preach Jesus saves, who bragged about their online views. And Jesus said, occupy till I come. See, Pastor and I are cut from a different cloth. The day before the two weeks load the curve, I was on my way by faith, by myself, to preach in Pakistan to 150,000 Muslims. I was preaching 12 miles from where they killed Osama bin Laden. And they said the Taliban was going to be on the rooftops. Do you know why I shop at Walmart? Because you preach the gospel, Target's already on your back. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but a faith that's not worth dying for is a faith that's not worth living for. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And you say, Frank, why would you go to Pakistan? Because I knew the walls were closing. Do you remember in the first Star Wars? Will be one that's taught you well. You're the Master Luke. If you ain't getting the force is strong. Hey, yo, it's me, Rocky Balboa. You know, you've got a big mouth. That's right, for 1995, receive a free 48-piece set of Ginzu knives, but wait, there's more. One of our first 5,000 callers receive a free Cubic Ciccone Appendant set. A life-size poster of Pastor Rodney, where each member of your household can measure with Rodney. Silvery Records probably presents Cool Modi's Greatest Hits LP Cassette 8-Track. Limited time only, sorry, not sold in stores. Well, Bob, tell them what they could have won. An all-expense-paid trip to Cozumel, Mexico. Give God one last round of applause. Amen. I was getting, but I knew the walls were closing. I knew the sand of time was sliding. I wrote a book called Urgency. When it came out, it was the number one new release on all of Amazon for Christianity and evangelism. I bragged about your pastors in four different chapters. But I was getting ready to get on the plane, and you say, why would you go? Number one, God called me to be an evangelist. Number two, Muslims need Christ. And three, he didn't tell me to play it safe. He told me to preach Jesus saves and time's running out. So I wasn't going to let a virus with a 99% survival route keep me on the couch. Because sitting on the sidelines honors Satan, but getting in the game honors God. So I ended up, was told by three accountability partners. One of them was pastor from three different states, three different denominations. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. There's a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. If you're only relying on you, you're in the flesh. But if you're relying on him and have some accountability partners, you're honoring faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But I was told, don't get on the plane. It was only the second time in my ministry I didn't get on the plane. And it didn't make sense. It wasn't fear. We're soul winners. We're Ferraris with no brakes. But it all made sense. 23 hours later, the COVID hit. The president of the United States suspended all the travel from the east. And the crusade never happened. But the guy who was voted the nicest in the county got bold. Because in this last day, playing it safe honors the devil. Getting in the game honors the Lord. And people need the Lord. 
So when I talk about occupied or vacant, the Lord told me, Frank, what stinks the high of heaven, what is putrid to the nostrils of the Nazarene, isn't the church who is occupied taking care of business. What stinks to churches around the world are those who are vacant, playing it safe, and no wonder no one's coming back to church. When they finally invited them back, no one wanted to come. If you didn't have a backbone then, you don't deserve the microphone now. LOL used to mean laugh out loud. Lately, it means lack of lordship and lack of leadership. Some of the biggest ministries, we preach grace. We're giving grace. Tonight's about grace and God, not guilt. But guys, I'm telling you, now's the time to step up your game. Now's the time to stay in the game and speak life in a culture of death. The Bible says you were running well. Who hindered you? And guys, I'm telling you, if the Secret Service protects the president, if the offensive line protects the quarterback, we need to be praying and protecting our pastors and staff. Because I'm telling you, the devil doesn't play fair. The devil doesn't sleep. But I got good news. I drove 10 hours to tell you I've read the back of the book, and we already won. Give God one last round of applause. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Guys, I want to tell you something. Serving God is the greatest high in life. But I would mislead you if I tell you there were never bumps in the road. Jesus said, having done all stand. I had friends who sat out waiting for the stimulus check. Patrick Henry was, give me liberty, give me death. Lately, we're just going to wait for one more to hit our direct deposit. Reagan said the scariest nine words ever strewn together is, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. My hope doesn't come from the government, and I've worked 20 years on Capitol Hill. There's a lot of people that need prayer. For four years, I led a Bible study to politicians. When it's done right, those who have a career are missing it. Those who have a calling are making a difference. A politician thinks of the next election. A statesman thinks of the next generation. But guys, my hope is not in the government. My hope is not in Gates. My hope is not in the globalists. My hope is in the Son of the living God, Jehovah, the King of Kings, the Great I Am, Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, and a culture of dead gods, I've met the living Lord. And guys, it's not going to be easy. But here's a word. Your adversity today will put you on God's varsity tomorrow. Anyone can sing the Savior's praise in the sunshine, but will you stick to the stuff and the storm? Anyone can praise Him on the mountain, but the mature ones praise them in the mishaps. A valley is really just an upside-down mountain. And there have been times I thought my life was a rubber band, and I thought, my God, if you pull me another inch, I'll snap. But God wasn't snapping me. He was shaping me to look like Jesus. And your resistance today will determine the distance you'll go for His glory. And it wasn't a setback. 
It was a setup for God to rock your world. And when he rocks your world, you're going to touch the world. Give God one more round of applause. Amen. The message tonight is, what do you do when your back's against the wall? What do you do when your back's against the wall? Guys, you have the best training ground in the world. I've been in the hallways of the Pentagon. I'm one of the few from my hometown. It literally worked on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives. At 23 years old, I was the youngest in 40 years to work on the floor of the United States Senate. Most people work for a senator. Out of 5,500 Senate staff, only three worked on the floor while they were in session. I was one of those three. I didn't work for a senator. I worked for all 100 senators. And the vice president of the United States is the president of the United States Senate. Not only worked on the House floor and the House floor of the U.S. Senate, I actually also at times worked in the West Wing of the White House. I served four different White Houses in a capacity that was volunteer of both parties. Someone asked Billy Graham, are you after the right wing or the left wing? He said, I'm going after the whole bird. And friends, in this last days, if you only go after folks who look like you and talk like you and dress like you and vote like you, you don't look like Jesus. Paul was all things to all men to win some. But guys, you're going to have some highs, you're going to have some lows, but Christianity is the greatest roller coaster in the park. And you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows. But they say keep your hands in the car at all times. No, I said put your hands in the air because when you worship God in the warfare, you already won. Amen. So tonight's message is serving the Savior in the storm. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Father, we need you tonight. Thank you for the privilege to not only speak here, but around the world. I pray that I would disappear and you would appear. I pray your Holy Spirit would be so thick tonight that when we give the invitation, the altar not only here will be full, but the altar at home will be full. Oh God, in these last days, wake up the slumbering saints and help us graduate from bedside Baptist to being in the game for your glory like never before. Oh God, and may there not be one person that leaves here tonight and says, my God, what a great singer, or my God, what a great speaker, but my God, what a great Savior. Oh, God, do it tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I said all that to say, so it was an honor to work in the House, on the floor of the Senate, and in the White House. But my friends, this is probably the most important floor in the world. And you guys are learning not about government, but God, but also government. Whatever your hand finds to do. But you guys are filled with another G, and it's not just good. It's not only God, it's the ghost that is holy. There's a lot of people afraid of the third of God. I thank God for God the Father. I thank God for God the Son. But I'm thankful for God the Holy Spirit. And guys, I'm telling you, you get God, you get all three. And more than ever, you need all three to get out there today. You say, Frank, you pray every day? Of course I pray every day. You got to pray to make it through the day. You got to pray just to get through Walmart these days. Can I get an amen? We need God. Look to your neighbor and say, we need God. <laughs> Acts chapter 16. Guys, 
I really believe God is going to use tonight to touch hearts. And hear me, God just didn't die to save you. He's dying to use you. This is the most unique campus I've ever been to. I got to help lead chapel at Madison Square Garden for an NBA team. Was a chaplain at a couple Olympics. But guys, the greatest among you is the servants. Pastor took me a tour on this campus. From the greeters to the parking crew to the caters, the best food in the world is here. And guys, you guys are using your gift for God's glory. And what I love about you, you're some of the greatest soul winners in the world. Now's the time not to put the foot off the gas. And love 9,000 churches in America. The year before the pandemic, didn't see one person baptized. Guys, we don't even live up to John the Baptist's name, much less Jesus the Christ's name. And I have friends who have more degrees than a thermometer. But you almost have to check their pulse to see if they're alive. They came out of seminary and lately resemble cemetery. They came in alive and came out dead. They spend more time on the golf course than representing God. And we're so busy strutting like peacocks to climb a denominational ladder only to find out it was leaning against the wrong wall. The Greek word for denomination means division. And having worked in four White Houses of both parties, we're allowing temporal politics run circles around the church and the ground game. Shame on us. But I drove 10 hours not to say shame to the river. I came here to thank the river because you're doing it as good as anybody in the world. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Most will serve them in promotion. A majority of Christians will serve him in prosperity. But the real ones will also serve him in persecution. Because persecution comes before promotion even in the dictionary. Where it looks like the devil just demoted you, God is getting ready to elevate you. Guys, put on your seatbelt. Put on your driver's gloves. Put on your goggles. Put on your scarf. Because the first two-thirds of God's name is go. The first two letters of gospel is go. The first two letters of good news is go. And the first two letters of gone is go. We got the green light to get going. Give God one more round of applause and I'm going to preach. Acts 16, verse 16. Pastor Eric hit Acts 4 and I'm going to hit you with Acts 16. And it came to pass, say pass. As we went to prayer, say prayer. There was a damsel, say damsel. She was a woman who was demonically possessed. They brought her masters much gain. She told fortune telling, but I want to tell you this, if you're going to stare at anyone's palms, they better be the nail scarred palms of the master. If you're going to look at anyone's scars, they better be his scars. And you have no future if you're going to a palm reader. Astrology will lead you to hell, but the Almighty will take you to heaven. And they made a lot of money. They were pimps of their day. They would use and abuse for someone else's benefit. See, the devil 
will destroy you, but Christ will deliver you. The same followed Paul and said, these men, Paul and Silas, are servants of the Most High God, and they show us the way of salvation. They had been there many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the demonic spirit, I command thee in the name of Buddha, come out of her. And I command thee in the name of Muhammad, come out of her. Try again. I command thee in the name of Confucius to come out of her. I command in the name of Orthodox religion, come out of her. I command thee in the name of the Pope to come out of her. I command thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's power in the name. And immediately the demon left that very moment. There's power, power, wonder-working power and the blood of the Lamb. I come from five-generation D.C. cops. I wanted to be a Secret Service agent at one time. For two years, I was with the United States Capitol Police. You come from five-generation D.C. cops. You know what my favorite TV show? It's Cops. Are you with me? There was a guy who studied and surveyed a 74-year-old lady's schedule, and he watched her day in and day out. And he was a con. He was a jewel thief. He thought, well, this will be an easy hit. This will be the perfect crime. That's an oxymoron. There's nothing of perfect about a crime. One of the scariest verses in the Bible, be sure your sin will find you out. You may fool me, you may fool the pastor, but you don't fool God. And he knew her schedule when she went to the beauty salon, when she went to the grocery store, when she went to Walmart, and he thought she left. And he's staring at her, and he walks in cool, calm, collected, but conceited, cocky. Pride goes before the fall. He went in there, and he's so arrogant, he stole $400 cash. Her prized possession, her wedding band of 52 years. And he's so arrogant, he's stealing chocolate chip cookies from the kitchen. He's not only stealing them, he's sitting down and eating like he owns the place. I don't advocate stealing, but I ain't sticking around for lunch. He thought he was out scot-free, and the woman was in the basement all along. And she came up behind him, and she was told, if you ever get in the name, get in trouble, quote a Bible verse, or say the name of Jesus, because there's power in the name. And she came up behind him and screamed, Acts 238, repent in the name of the Lord Jesus, and now be saved. It scared the man so much he stuck his hand straight up in the air. His legs started shaking like Elvis. And she dialed that old school phone, nine, one, one. Fourteen minutes later, he's still there. Twelve cop cars from Gwinnett County, Georgia, surround the house. Nine millimeters with an infrared beam on the forehead. The lieutenant kicked the door down, been on the beat 30 years, and he starts laughing. Dude, I've seen some stuff. Been on the force three decades. I've seen some stuff. I've never seen this. I've got to ask you a question. You had 15 minutes to run. The old lady just quoted a Bible verse. Why are you still here? He said, all I heard her say, she had an ax in 238s and I was going nowhere. <laughs> Amen. Guys, some people's higher power is the park bench. Some people's higher power is AA. But the only higher power is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Say, I'm on the winning team. And they commanded, come out in the name of Jesus, and they were out. Stay with me. In 19, when the master saw that their hope of their gain was gone, 
they grabbed Paul and Silas, threw them to the marketplace, and brought them to the rulers. And they said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. The Bible says in the last days what's good will be called evil and what's evil is called good. And I submit to you, Paul and Silas were said that they exceedingly troubled the city. I submit to you in March of 2020, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown was accused not only in the county and the country and continents for exceedingly troubling the city, for wanting to call harm. The Lord told me in the pandemic, he said, first of all, they were going to call soul winners a bunch of murderers. And when TMZ ran the mugshot with your pastor and one of my mentors on a newscast around the world, pastor who's preached in 85 countries, wants to see his members killed. That was the tagline. Everything the Lord told me advanced that you soul winners would be called murderers. The same one who selflessly paid for their own flights to minister to complete strangers with no love offerings to build the family of God, we were considered dangerous, evil, all about themselves. The Lord also told me, he said, they would call the patriots unpatriotic when you weren't in lockstep with their agenda from the devil himself. I think we need to stand one more time and give God and your pastor a round of applause. When most sat out, he stood up. Amen. Give him a round of applause. Amen. Guys, I'm telling you, be careful when all men speak well of you. If God before you, who can be against you? And it's better to be known by the Lord and unknown by the world than have millions of followers on TikTok and Instagram and be loved by the world and hear from the Lord, depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity, I never knew you. Paul and Silas teach us customs that are not lawful for us to observe, being Romans, and the crowd rose up together and tore off their clothes and commanded to bless them, no, commanded to beat them. And when they had put many stripes on Paul and Silas, they didn't just throw them in prison, they threw them in the innermost prison, handcuffed with their back, against the wall. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so much that the foundations of the prison began to shake, and immediately the doors opened wide, and everyone's handcuffs were loosed. When the praises go up, the problems go down. And the keeper of the prison walked, awoke out of his sleep, and I'm going to park the car here. I say this in love. My friends in the ministry who are woke to culture are asleep to Christ. And the keeper of the prison awoken out of his sleep, and the prison doors opened, and he drew out his sword, and he was getting ready to commit suicide. If you saw Tom Cruise's movie, The Last Samurai, 
It is a fact from ancient centuries that if you dishonorably was asleep at the wheel, if you weren't on post, if you missed the moment, if they escaped on your watch, the noble thing was literally to kill yourself because your career was over. And this man is getting ready to kill himself and Paul and Silas screamed and said, do yourself no harm, we're still here. And then he called for a light and sprang in and came down trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And then the top cop, the head jailer said, sir, what must I do to be saved? He didn't say believe on the name of Muhammad, the name of Confucius, the name of Buddha, the name of the Catholic Church. It's the same thing today what it was then. But one of the reasons the church is failing, particularly in America, we don't preach with power because we haven't been plugged into the most powerful. And a lot of us are doing ministry today and we got the smoke machines, but we don't got the ghosts. We got the skinny jeans, but we don't preach the sinless Jesus. Oh, we got $500 Jordans, but we haven't been with Jesus in a week. And the reason some of us don't give an invitation because some of us hardly know them ourselves. I've learned when you're saved, you want to see someone saved. God didn't just call us to keep the faith. He called us to share the faith. And guys, I submit to you, you're the remnant. Before revival, there's the word remnant. And here's the thing. Our hope is in God. But God is dying to use you. I heard in Greece years ago, there was a statue a life-size statue of Jesus in the middle of town. And it was a circle, and everyone would drive around it. And it was made by a master, now in heaven. And they had a great earthquake. And it began to shake in the foundation. And true story, the hands of Jesus shattered in a hundred places. They said decades ago it cost a quarter of a million dollars to try to put the hands of Christ back on the statue. They had already raised the funds and a lady about 98 in the back who never spoke but when she did they listened and she raised her hand and she said the Lord told me not to have the fundraiser they said what do you mean they said we're not even supposed to put the hands back on how dare you she said the Lord told me may it always stand in the middle of the square to remind us that for the rest of our days we will be the hands and the feet of Christ and I'm telling you, you're in the ministry. I want to remind you again, let's deputize you. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I am now deputized to evangelize. Praise the Lord. You know, there's graduates from here today who are shaking Skid Row in Los Angeles tonight. I think of Pastor Tony and Karen Carpenter in Baltimore, not far from me. He just preached the paint off the walls here just a couple weeks ago. We recently had them at our house for dinner. They are shaking Baltimore for Christ. That's not the easiest place. But you know what? Nothing is too hard for my God. A lot of people want to preach on TV. You know who some of the most noblest people here? is those cleaning the toilets here. Everyone wants to be on TBN, but until you're willing to clean the toilets, you're not ready for TV. My first paid job in ministry was 1988. Was I the youth pastor? Eventually. Was I an associate pastor? Eventually. Was I a senior pastor? I got there. But I enjoyed being the minister of evangelism. But do you know what my first paid job was for two years? I was the janitor at First Baptist Waldorf. 
They called me white trash. Can I get an amen? But guys, I'm just saying this love, and I thank God for some godly people. But I remember the janitor at my old Christian college in North Carolina. That man knew more Bible than some preachers and college presidents that I've met. Many who are first will be last. Many who are last will be first. And it's not your title, it's your testimony. We overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Paul and Silas, say Paul. Paul was going to do the preaching. We'll say Silas was going to do the praising. One was Billy Graham. One was George Beverly Shea. What was Rodney Howard Brown? One was Octavia. Can I get an amen? amen? I love Raven. That praise team tonight is anointed. They're so good, I've already booked them for my funeral. You know why? I'm dying to hear them one more time. Amen. <laughs> I've heard some praise teams that are not anointed. You know what? I got cut from the fourth grade choir. I preach like heaven, but I sing like hell. Amen. I may not be invited back, but that was good preaching. Amen. Billy Graham said that when we get to heaven, George Beverly Shea, Cliff Barrows, Kirk Franklin, Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Darlene Check, your praise team will all still have a job. But no joking, the evangelist will be unemployed. One of the scariest verses in all the Bible is in Jeremiah. The summer is ended. The harvest is past. And too many are not saved. I think some of us have been saved so long we forgot what it was like to be lost. I heard a story recently where 5,218 preachers was at a national convention, there four days and three nights, and a friend got on the elevator and there was a Hispanic running the elevator and just said hello. And she looked like the weight of the world was on her shoulders. And she literally was looking down as she was getting ready to hit the button to take him up. And the friend said, has anyone told you this week at a pastor's convention, three things, God loves you. And she began to cry like Niagara Falls as the tears danced off the floor, the elevator. She said, no, you're the first. We were professional, but lost the personal touch. I had a friend that was at a big national convention in Houston with a bunch of evangelists. And they said, we got to get out of this. Let's go out on the street and win somebody to Jesus. Many who are first will be last. Back in the day, success for some was in the size of the sanctuary. Was it a New York Times bestseller? Was it being on a Christian magazine? Was it a name on the side of a seminary? 
No, some preachers are known in seminaries, but the prophets are known in penitentiaries. And if you really want to go to the next level with the Lord, it will probably look total different than American Christianity. Some of our biggest moments were not in stadiums. It was on the street. One time I was working off the floor of the U.S. Senate and I came up and I was starving. And I come outside by the Senate Russell Park and I see an African-American named Harry. And I had a bag lunch and I was starving. But the Lord said, give him your lunch. And I'm like, Arnold with different strokes, what you talking about Willis, are you with me? I'm having an argument with God, you don't win. You wrestle with God, you'll get hurt. Are you with me? But it's better to wrestle with him temporarily than be in fire for eternity. And the Holy Spirit said, well, he's probably more hungry than you. I said, okay, you win. And I gave Harry, who was homeless, my lunch in Washington. I could see the dome of the Republic, just the next street. People come from around the world to see where I work. My mom was pregnant with me at the U.S. Capitol. My dad worked at the U.S. Capitol. I almost was born in the U.S. Capitol. Some of you come to work. I was born to work there. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it for God's glory. And I've been blessed. I've been on Air Force One. I've flown on Air Force Two. Yesterday was 600 miles by myself. Lately, it's Southwest Airlines. You get to pick your own seat. That doesn't sound good, but it's true. Are you with me? I don't like to fly Delta. I may get sued, but let me hit you. You know what Delta means? Don't expect to leave the airport. Don't expect the luggage to arrive. I'm praying for a jet, amen? Not to be cocky and say, look at me. I'm going to drive 1,200 miles next Thursday by myself. And the words of Smokey and the Bandit, I got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. I got to preach Good Friday in Delaware. So I'm leaving Fort Myers Friday, a Thursday morning, and I got to drive 1,200 miles by myself to be there by Friday. And I have some friends who won't even show up Easter Sunday and they live five miles from a church. I have friends in the ministry. The last five letters of jealousy spell lousy. Oh, they want the platform, but they don't want to pay the price. See, Jesus paid the price. Pastor Rodney and Adonica paid the price. I'm paying the price. I'm telling you, serving God is worth it. So I go up to Harry. He's homeless on the hill, and I gave him my lunch. And I told him about the Lord. He thanked me for the lunch, but he said no to God. But I sow to see Jesus saves the soul. But obedience is success. Yes, I wanted him saved. But the key is doing what God told you. I've had some mountains, but I've had some mishaps. I'm giving to you both tonight. So he thanked me for the lunch, said no to the Lord, and I started walking back to the office. I had a burden for Harry. An African-American preacher said, when's the last time you've watered your crops? He said, you'll never see a harvest until you water your crops. And he said, Frank, you'll never see someone saved unless you cry yourself to sleep. Do you know 9,000 churches didn't baptize anyone the year before the pandemic? I like what my one friend said, Dr. Johnny Hunt. Used to pastor about 18,000 in Woodstock, Georgia. He said, if I was one of those that never baptized anyone a year, I'd climb up in my own industry, baptistry, that was empty. And I wouldn't come out until my own tears filled up the tank. Guys, we're so late in the game, ministry minus urgency equals catastrophe. And now's the time. we got to swing for the fence. 
Babe Ruth, when he was up the bat, one season led the league in home runs, same season led the league in strikeouts. But at least when that brother from another mother was up to bat, he was swinging for the fence. Success and results is on the Lord. Obedience is on us. And if you failed it, ask for forgiveness and do it right tomorrow. Don't let Satan keep you on the couch. But that night, the Lord said, Frank, get smart. Pack two lunches, because this brother had me fasting. Are you with me? Pack two lunches, one for him, one for you. I'm on the floor of the U.S. Senate. I asked Madelark Lemon, why do you fly first class? He said, Frank, rich people need Jesus too. See, the church has been fantastic as a whole. Over the years, going after the poor, but we didn't always go after the powerful. That's why I love Pastor Rodney and Adonica and Jason Williams and the Dean Cabrera, government leaders. They're at the state capitol with the governor and lawmakers, not only telling them they're praying for them, but they're trying to get them to think more biblical values. I had a preacher in Delaware one time told me I was wasting my time leading a Bible study to state senators. I said, why would you say that? He goes, well, you know when they die... They get to go to heaven. I said, well, how's that? They said, because the government's on their side. I'm thinking, sir, I don't even think you're born again. Are you saying just because you're a senator, you know the Savior? Because you're a representative, you know the Redeemer? And because the government is behind you, you get to go straight to God? That's not the Bible. And then we have the same type of pastors that tell us not to be involved in the political process. Newsflash, the first nine out of ten people the Apostle Paul led to Christ, the first nine of ten were public servants, and the first three were governors. So when people say we shouldn't be involved in the political process, they've missed Jesus. Now my hope isn't on Air Force One or Marine One. It's not in the beast, it's in the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Give God one more round of applause. But there was a man who was the king's cupbearer, and he made a difference. Joseph went from the pit to the prison to the palace to the prime minister. Sometimes you got to go in reverse before you can throw it in forward by faith. If you've never been alone in the dark, you don't deserve a microphone for the light. I come back the second day, oh God, help Harry who's homeless on the hill be there. God, help me sit through a pastor was telling me today at lunch, if you don't see it before you see it, you won't see it. Some people in society says seeing is believing. No, the Bible says believe and you'll see. Have you ever noticed Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder could see things better than most of us with vision? I'm telling you, when I played basketball, I know what it was like one time to ride the bench, but I also know what it was to score 31 in a game, and that ain't bad for a white dude, all right? I would vision myself stealing the ball. I would vision myself throwing a pass. I would see me like Rodman get a rebound. I went 10 for 10 from the foul line one night. Scored 25 or 48. I was breaking ankles for Jesus. Are you with me? But if you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. So I got two lunches. And there's Harry who's homeless. It's going to be him and I. It's going to be good. And I walk in. I'm prayed up. He had me fasting for 24 hours. 
He's going to get saved. The good news, he was there. The good news, it didn't rain. The good news, it wasn't thunder. It was a perfect time to share Christ. I got two lunches, one for Harry, one for me. He's black, I'm white, ebony and ivory. The good news, he's there. The bad news, there's another homeless man sitting next to him, and God said, give them both your lunch. I'm like, God, you're killing me. I got one homeless on my right, one on my left. I felt like Jesus between two thieves. Not because they were poor, but they were far from God. The good news is Harry said yes to Jesus. The other one said, thanks for lunch, but no to the Lord. But I sowed a seed. God will save the soul. True story. I was high as a kite. The greatest high is not crack. It's serving Christ. It's not LSD. It's living for the Lord. It's not heroin. It's being plugged into heaven. There's no high like the most high. My feet didn't touch the floor. And my dad was the number two top cop with the U.S. Capitol Police. Not at the local level, not at the state level, at the national level. The assistant chief acting U.S. Capitol Police protected multiple presidents in charge of Clinton's entire inauguration. Dad was willing to die for them. Some of us can't even pray for them. I get in my dad's unmarked car with the D.C. plates. We were the murder capital of the city one time. Eric will tell you it's true. For eight consecutive years, D.C. was number one. Nothing to brag about. My dad's my hero. I get in my dad's unmarked car, just minister to two homeless. Dad said, guess who called tonight? I said, Dad, I don't know. He said, I just got a call from the White House. The Secret Service liaison to the U.S. Congress just called. The President of the United States wants to thank my dad in the morning for all his work and his team's work for being chairman of the inaugural committee. I thought that'd be like me and my dad a few feet away. It would be my dad's moment in the sun, but my dad was thinking of others more than himself. And at that moment, dad worked six months, seven days a week, 16-hour days. And for those who don't know my story, in 1865, it was my ancestor, it was a Shelton who carried Lincoln across the street the night he died. That was my ancestor who carried Lincoln. When you hear me say, if you only hang out with folks who look like you and vote like you, you don't look like Jesus. Dad protected eight presidents. Four of them he didn't vote for, but he never said who they were. And when it came to President Clinton, my dad worked overtime because we already lost one and it wasn't our fault. But some of you wouldn't have been worthy watching on television to be in my dad's position because I hear some special agents today in the FBI, oh, he ain't my president. And I know for a fact there are some special agents that would get weak in the knees, possibly hoping that someone would die because he wasn't their boy. I'm convinced that God himself died for the right, for the left. And while there's time on the clock, he's still willing to accept anyone who will come by faith and grace. And dad said, Frank, I don't want you watching behind a crushed velvet rope. I want you to stand right next to me when I meet the president of the United States. And that night, Satan said, whatever you do, don't mention Jesus to Bill Clinton. And when I got a chance to meet him, I said, first words out of my mouth, I was like, all hell was coming against me. I said, God bless you, Mr. President. It's an honor to meet you. Him and I talked the longest at that moment. We're with the president, the vice president, the speaker of the house. It was the three most powerful people on the planet, my dad and I. I got a call today from a Secret Service agent. He said, Frank, I'm proud of you. Keep preaching. 
And here's the thing. When I left that day, it dawned on me. For two days with no camera, no lights, no fanfare, with a pure heart, I'm sharing Jesus with the poorest people in Washington. But because I was faithful when no one's looking, God flipped the script within 24 hours. I'm not with the poorest person in Washington. I'm with the most powerful person in Washington. And I didn't pull back on Jesus when you're toe-to-toe -to -toe with power. One of my favorite pictures is Billy Graham. My name is Billy Graham. And he's behind the presidential podium at the National Prayer Breakfast, and there's John F. Kennedy. And at that moment, the most powerful person in the room wasn't the president. It was the preacher of the gospel. And all eyes were on John Kennedy. They were on Billy Graham with an open book because Billy Graham was promoting God himself. Give God one more round of applause. Paul and Silas were God's men going to God's house. Have you ever been late to church? Raise your hand. I'm going to preach online because all of you have been late. Paul and Silas were God's men going to God's house to promote God's book in God's house to get people in God's book of life. See, hell is too long to be wrong. And Paul and Silas was going to do the preaching, the praising, the singing, the speaking. And they were running to church. And the problem is some of us are so busy going to church, if you're not careful, you fail to be the church. God ain't coming back for beautiful buildings. He's coming back for blood-bought believers. Because I say this in love. I preach at some of the biggest churches in the country. I won't name names, but I'm talking buildings that were in a quarter of a billion dollar campaign. And they were some of the first to close in the pandemic. Bigger is not better. There's people that write all over the world to this church. How are you doing it? It's because the gospel works, Jesus saves, and you only know to go forward, not backwards. Give God one more round of applause. Paul and Silas are going to God's church to sing, speak, preach, praise, and they're running a little late. And from the peripheral version, they see a woman who's demonically possessed. She's a daughter of the devil. They're kids of the king. And one of the problems of just playing church, we're so busy preaching to the choir, we've turned our back on a lost society. Shame on us. But not the river in RBI. You're teaching us how to do it. I heard Pastor Eric recently said, they're seeing thousands come to Christ, record numbers. In case you didn't know it, people are tired of being house arrest. People are tired of hiding behind a mask. But I say this in love, my friends who are still wearing the mask, unless it's for a sincere health condition, you probably don't know the Lord. If you're doing 65 in a car with a seatbelt and 14 mask on, you're missing it. The first thing when Jesus told Lazarus to come from the grave, he said, unbound him, unloose him. See, the death represents devil. The Lord is liberty. He said, unbound him, unloose him. Pastor Rodney and I have been on the road to Damascus since March 2020. 
I found some people despise you because you're walking in freedom. I won't name names, but I entered a local church in my hometown. And I said, my God, it's easier for me to get in the White House, the Pentagon, and Congress than this church. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. This woman's going to hell. They represent heaven. If you really believe it, you better be living it. She was going to hell. They embody heaven. Now, they're running late to church. I don't know what you would have done, but I do know what Paul and Silas did because they learned it from God's playbook. Jesus fed 5,000 one night, 4,000 the next, and darn if he ain't with a woman wounded at the well. One is a big number. I have friends who own a business. They have their first dollar framed. Never forget where you come from. And if the angels rejoice over one, then you make a thousand, then you make a million, then you make 10 million, a hundred million. That allows you to bless more people. But success is not making the money. The success is serving the Lord and making disciples. Because if you make dollars without disciples, you're missing it. And you guys do it as good as anybody. Now, she wasn't going to church. So they brought church to her. Paul and Silas pivoted. They paused. And they pointed the way. She got grace. They got guilt. She was in sin. They embodied the son. She got success. They got a setback. And she goes free. And they get in prison. Because they did it wrong? No, because they did it right. Ministry may look completely different in the bottom of the ninth. But if God be for you, who can be against you? How you act at your lowest point shows who you really are. I was on a rare weekend home and I came up to my wife and the kids and I said, where do you all want to go eat? And they screamed the bonefish grill. It was seafood. If I see food, we're going to eat it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it took three hours to get in the restaurant. It took 15 minutes additional to get seated. I'm at the three hour and 15 minute mark. My wife said a hundred times, hey, we wasted too much time. I'm a guy. I said, no, we're going to put in tent legs. We're going to stick the night here. And when we finally sat down at the three hour and 30 minutes, we finally got our meal at 10 minutes at the four hour mark. You can tell a good restaurant like a good church if the parking lot is full. And what I love about you guys, it's like Easter Sunday. Like most people all over America, you do it every night of the week. You go after souls. You're in good shape. My wife is like, hey, this is ridiculous. I'm taking Andrew, and her and Andrew go out. And I walked in there and knew a few people trying to be respectful and said hi. And my daughter goes like this, and I said, yeah, baby. She goes, Daddy, the food, it's ridiculous. I mean, we like this place, but they owe us, like, free appetizers. They owe us an apology. This is, like, beneath our standards. I mean, she's getting louder as she says it. She's like, when that little waitress comes over here, Dad, you got to give it to her. you got to give it to her. Daddy, you got to give it to her. And I looked at her, and I'm one of those guys, I may forget a name, but I don't forget a face. But I preach grace Sunday, but i got to live it out on Monday. 
And my daughter's like, give it to her. I mean, she sounded like James Earl Jones. Nine out of ten years. I mean, every time it was getting deeper. They owe us the nachos, the appetizers, the apology. They owe us the red carpet. I'm like, good Lord, she's right, but who teaches her all this stuff? And then she said, Daddy, you got to give it to her. So when she comes over, the waitress is coming over there, and I'm thinking, oh, God, help me speak life, not death. Help me build her up, not tear it down. And I've been told that Christians are sometimes the worst tippers in a restaurant. I'm going to say this in love. If you can't afford to eat, you probably shouldn't go. It drives me nuts. I heard a waitress tell me recently there were four pastors at a table, and they gave her a fake tip with a $100 bill on it telling her about heaven, but they acted like hell and never once looked at her in the eyes. I went one time with two friends, and we went to a golden corral. That's the mission field. Are you with me? But we walked in there. It's $10 a piece. There were four of us. That was 40 bucks. And my friend said, let's dig deep and help them out today. Now, this is basically Golden Corral where you basically feed yourself. They'll come up and say hi, and they'll give you drinks and silverware, but that's about it. But when that woman came up as God is my witness, four guys, $10 each, a bill, $40 plus, we gave her $345 tip. She began to cry. And we said, are you off Thursday because we're coming back? She goes, Thursday's my day off, but I think I'll be in on Thursday. <laughs> she comes back, and they said, we got to dig deep again. I'm thinking, Arnold, what you talking about, Willis? Are you with me? We dug deep, $485. Single Filipina, mother of two. Husband checked out. We loved on her the first visit. We led her to the Lord the second visit. And the thing is, is she saw Jesus. We were the hands. Some people say, well, give till it helps. No, give till it hurts. Because if it don't hurt you, it ain't going to help them. You're never more like God when you're giving and forgiving. My daughter's like, you need to give it to her, give it to her, give it to her. And she's three steps away from me. And I gave her my debit card. And I said, sweetheart, mama said there'd be days like this. I said, it's not your fault. I bet the cook's working overtime. We actually love this place. Everyone has a rough day. And I'm going to do my best to tip. We're not swimming in money, but we're generous. I said, and when you leave to take my card and come back, when we leave, I hope your day gets better. And my daughter goes like this. She goes, you're a wimp. You should have gave it to her. And then she comes back as God is my witness, screams loud enough that the entire Bonefish Grill in Brandywine, Maryland, could hear the conversation. She said, I knew that was you. You're Frank Shelton. You preached at my church at Hughesville Baptist Church eight years ago. I got saved the night you preached. You signed my Bible. It's good to see you. My daughter goes, Daddy, come here. And I said, yeah, baby. She goes, whoa, you just dodged a bullet there. <laughs> the same girl that wanted me to throw lightning is the same girl that needed to remember the love and the loyalty of the Lord. Look to your neighbor one more time and say, God ain't boring. Look to your other neighbor and say, tonight's been good. I've been toying with you for a while. God's taken over. The girl wasn't going to church. 
so they brought church to her. I heard of a story one time of a man who had his eye on his, this one girl. And it's not about pretty beauty. I've seen some Miss South Dakotas that were so pretty, Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder could see how good they looked. <laughs> but if they cuss like sailors, they're not attractive. And he had this eye on a girl and she came up to him and he couldn't believe that she knew his name. And she said, would you like to go to the local art museum? And he said, I sure would with you. I'll even go to the grocery store. Can I get an amen? And he walks in there, and he's thinking it's going to be a boring couple hours other than that he's with her, answered a prayer. And you're supposed to look at a picture for two or three minutes, and people kind of take mental note and go on to the next one. And he walked in, and true story, the second picture piqued his interest, and he knew it was going to be everything but boring. He looked at it, and it was a controversial painting where 10,000 tourists come by a week in Italy. And the reason it was a controversial painting, because the atheist artist had the audacity to paint a picture of Satan playing a seasoned saint, senior citizen. And the painting is a true story. You can Google it. It was called Checkmate. And basically, the atheist artist was insinuating in the game of life, Satan not only runs the board, he wins in the game of life. And the title was called Checkmate in Caps. And it's been passed down, but it was said that when the guy walked in, I've been told that chess people can do two and three moves in advance. But checkers are slow like me. That's why I'm still playing checkers. That's why it took me an hour to cook minute rice. That's why it took two hours to watch 60 Minutes. Are you with me? But Rodney is playing chess. See, the American culture is so busy playing checkers, we've turned our back on the chess tank. I meet pastors who want to brag about their seminary, but they no longer preach about the Savior. Okay, is it Auburn or Alabama? Is it Roll Tide or War Eagle? Is it Denzel or Michael B. Jordan? Okay, who had the better vocals? Is it Whitney or Mariah Carey? Is it Biden or is it Trump? Is it Elvis or the Beatles? We're so busy playing checkers, we've missed the chess table. Let me take you back to school. The chess table is the Lord versus Lucifer, Satan versus the Savior. You're going to heaven, you're going to hell. We need to do the eternal and stop playing with the temporal. Amen? And he walked in and he saw this controversial picture and the light bulb went off at the six minute mark. A couple people were buying him. Excuse me, sir, you're holding up the line. You're being a little arrogant. We paid good money, we're on a clock here, we gotta move. And he looked and he realized something was wrong. He raised his hand at the eight minute mark. He asked if the curator, the historian was still there. He runs over an old man in cufflings and a tux. Is there a problem? Yes, there is a problem. I've been staring at that picture for eight minutes and is the old man who painted it still alive? Okay, well, you either need to take the picture off the wall, put a black velvet over top, or definitely rename the picture. Why would you say that? Not trying to brag, I'm an international chess champion. The girlfriend just found that out. And then he said, I've been looking at it and it's wrong because the king actually has one more move. And there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in a fiery furnace. And the Bible says the guards turned it up seven times. 
Why did they turn it up seven? Seven is perfection. Seven is purification. I submit to you, seven is power, and I believe seven represents the presence of the Prince of Peace. Why did they turn it up seven times? One would have killed him. There's so much hatred then, there's hatred now. Jesus said, be careful when all men speak well of you. He also said, they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Don't think it's strange that some fiery thing comes against you. I got good news. If you're in the fire, you're already burning for him. And the guard is looking through, and they said, well, we threw three in the flames. The Bible says the smell of smoke wasn't even on their clothes. Burn, baby, burn. And they looked, and they said, we see three, but there looks to be a fourth in the fire. When we get to heaven, I can't wait to talk to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I got to ask you, did you know God had your back? Do you know that God was there all along? They could say yes, but they could say no. Sometimes you go through hell. Sometimes you go through a commotion. Sometimes you go through divorce. Sometimes you go through adversity. Sometimes hatred that you don't deserve. Why? Because lost people may actually be looking, and darn if they don't see God in your storm. When you're going backwards, it's not because God's mad at you. He may be because he's promoting and you thought you were going backwards. But they got out. How? The king had one more move. But the Bible says those three guys got out and the guards died in the flame. The Bible says don't touch thine anointed. Some people give some people enough rope to hang themselves. Be careful what you wish harm for others. God may take down on you. I don't believe in karma, but I know Christ. He's forgiving. He's loving. But once you've missed it, hell's too long to be wrong. There's Moses going to the Red Sea. There's mountains on both sides of him. There's a sea in front of him. And here comes the enemy <laughs> coming up behind him. Used to watch the movies, The End. Arcade, game over. The lawyer said, you don't got a case. The Red Sea in front of him. The enemy coming up behind him. Mountains on both sides. They're boxed in. But see, you may be down, discouraged, defeated, depressed, divorced, have debt. But if you're not dead, he ain't done. Now watch this. When I quit my Capitol Hill job, July 27, 2007, I left two decades on Capitol Hill. I left retirement 401k health insurance. I didn't have a single booking when I left. First three Sundays, didn't get a single call. But the fourth was the church, the country church running 33 where I got saved. Nine was the pastor's family. Five was mine, 14 to 33 were two families. I no longer preach, I preach at a big church or a little church. There's nothing small if you're giving your all. You know what's crazy? Pastor Tony Carpenter and I both got saved at that church running 33 in Brandywine, Maryland. That brother is one of the greatest evangelists in the world, but we've also been mentored by one of the greatest evangelists in the world. And we've all had the same teacher, not just pastors and professors and deans, the Holy Spirit. And watch this, when I left my Capitol Hill job, I stepped out by faith. I now have a TV show called By Faith, 
and we're reaching 300 million homes every week on DirecTV Dish and four continents. Now, pastor's at another level, but hear me. This is for somebody, if not for you, because you get it, but someone at home. The last five letters of jealousy spell lousy. If there's two people in a canoe, the one criticizing the most is rowing the least. But who you respect is who you attract. And here's something liberating for my Christian friends. You don't have to be better than anyone in the ministry. But by God's grace, you should be better than when the Lord found you. So your competition isn't with clergy. It's with Satan and the time clock is about out. But if you start seeing each other as colleagues and not competition, you're with the kingdom. See, those who are territorial are building their kingdom. Those who are building his kingdom don't know any boundaries. Who flies to Pakistan to preach to 150,000 Muslims? I got pastors in the area wouldn't go to Philadelphia. I'm on a plane to Pakistan. But see, I had already died a long time ago. I was told to visualize your casket. And every once in a while, I got to mentally climb back in and die. Paul said, I die daily. That was Ronald Reagan's favorite verse. I die daily. No one's 80 with no gray hair. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but when we die to the flesh, you're going to take some shots. But watch this. Moses didn't split the Red Sea. God split the Red Sea. But God didn't split it 10 years in advance, 10 steps in advance, 10 seconds in advance. The Bible says when his sandals slapped the sea, it <laughs> split. He had to get in before God showed up. And I've heard some of your testimonies. Some of you came by faith. Wendy was sharing her story. She's around the world, comes to a Bible study, gets a hold of God like never before, loses a few friends, but falls in love with a family who with God run the place. Give Wendy and her husband a loud round of applause. Amen. Those who go the furthest go the farthest. Show me your faith, I'll show you God's favor. Baskin Robbins has 39 flavors. Flavor is a taste made by man, but favor is a touch from God. And it's better to be touched from God than be man's flavor of the week. You use by man, you feel like trash. You use by God, it's a treasure. Moses goes through. They are safe. They succeed. They survive. The enemy comes up. They drown and die. Why? The king had one more move. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through. Moses went through. And there's Daniel in the lion's den. And he's toe-to-toe -to -toe with a lion. Rocky III was Eye of the Tiger. Stallone owes these guys royalties. Are you with me? He's toe-to-toe -to -toe with a tiger. Lions, tigers, bears. Oh, my. There's a guard over top. Well, this is where we got him now. He's dead meat. And he's on the ground and he's looking at the lion and the guard sees a lad, he sees a lion, and he sees lunch. That's in the natural, the supernatural. The Lord saw a lad, lion, I'm going to give him lockjaw. No one does anything to Daniel, don't touch that anointed. 
If God be for you, who can be against you? He's eye to eye with trouble. The Bible says the guard falls out. I've said it before. Some people give some people enough rope to hang themselves. He falls out. The Bible says, go back and read it. This isn't Frank says, this saith the Lord. The lion pivots, jumps up, crushes him and kills him and eats him before he hits the ground. How did Daniel get out? The king had one more move. Then there's the Lord suspended between heaven and earth with a thief on the right, a thief on the left. It looks like this is where it ends. Game over. God took us this far and failed on the one-yard line. Do you know what Black Friday is? It's not the day after Thanksgiving when a lot of women get up at an ungodly hour <laughs> to go shopping for people they don't even like, <laughs> to buy a gift that they don't even want. That's going to be the gag gift for the next 37 Christmas. The first Black Friday is at the day after Thanksgiving when we go shopping. The first Black Friday was when the light of the world suspended between heaven and earth when the light of love, the loyalty of the Lord, the light was extinguished. God used a virgin womb with Mother Mary and a virgin tomb with Joseph Arimathea to be the bookends of the gospel. The first time Jesus came, he came as a kid. The next time he comes as, a, as the king of all kings. The first time he came, he came in poverty. The next time he comes is in power. The first time he came, he came on a humble donkey. The next time he comes, he's on a winning white stallion. The first time he came, he carried a cross. The next time he comes, he's carrying the whole government on his shoulders. The first time he came, he stood silently before Pontius Pilate. The next time he comes, Pilate, Muhammad, and Buddha are going to kneel and give an account. They've asked me, was he a man or was he God? He was fully man. He was fully God. If you poured him in a blender, woo, what poured out was Jesus, the son of the living God. If he wasn't a man, who was that babe born in the barn of Bethlehem? But if he wasn't God, why did 10,000 angels sing at that baby's birth? Celebrities are born, they get a date on the calendar. When God was born, he snapped the calendar. B.C. A.D. If he wasn't a man, who was that had hungered in the wilderness? But if he wasn't God, who fed 5,000 with a little lad's lunch? If he wasn't a man, who was that on the cross? He cried, I thirst. But if he wasn't God who told the woman at the well, drink from me, you'll never thirst again. If he wasn't a man who was that dead for three days in the Jerusalem tomb. But if he wasn't God, explain to me why the tomb is empty tonight. I've been there. And when you leave the tomb of the triune God is a word appropriate bragging on the word. Luke 24, verse 5 and 6. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. We don't serve a dead God, a dead cult, or a dead religion. Florida, we serve the living Lord. Would you stand to your feet and give God a round of applause? Amen.
Amen. Stay with me. I have a few more minutes, so if I can quote what Elizabeth Taylor told her seventh husband. I love you, but I won't keep you long. <laughs> Sit down. God's going to show up. You know what? There's people in bars tonight looking for what you've already found. I had the honor... That may be too strong of a word. I had the opportunity to travel 48 continental states in seven days by car. So I guess 600 yesterday and 1,200 in a day is no big deal. But we showed up at Fenway's Red Sox Stadium at 2 a.m. and someone said, the bar Cheers is right around the corner. Do you want to see where the TV show with Ted Danson took place? And I said, sure. And I'm just sharing this in love. Guys, I don't know. It doesn't matter how much drugs or alcohol you've done. Sometimes the worst sinners become the best saints. But I've said this, and I know this to be true. Once you know the king of kings, you don't need the king of beers. You go to a liquor store, it says wine and spirits. You know why? Two things. The devil's a counterfeit. Number two, it's trying to manufacture everything to compete and can't with the three-in-one Holy Spirit. The Trinity, three yet one. But back to the movie, TV show, Cheers. It was the number one show for eight seasons on NBC on Thursday night. And the theme song was amazing, but sadly you probably forgot it. Cheers, where everybody knows your name and they're actually glad you came. I've met some churches that if someone came in as a first-time visitor, it takes a lot of guts to get out of the car and walk across and, good Lord, I haven't been to church in years. I mean, am I overdressed? Am I underdressed? I can't even afford this. Can't afford that. And as they're getting closer to the door, Satan's like, you know what you did in 1988. I mean, who do you think you are? You're not worthy to be in here. And then I've actually been in some pretty big-sized churches, and they failed because they were so arrogant they didn't represent the Almighty. I had one church, multiple thousand square feet, literally say, quote, you're lucky you're here today. I don't use luck in the Lord in the same sentence. It's not surprising that they were the first to cave in the pandemic. The Holy Spirit said, Frank, don't let the bar be more friendly than the true happy hour on Sunday. And then when someone finally walks in, they're nervous and they're coming down and they have these wooden benches in some churches today. And they're finally getting in and Satan's telling them to go back and they're finally coming in. And they finally sit down and then someone has the audacity. <clears throat> You're sitting in my seat. Do you know why they call them pews? 
because that theology stinks. I'm thankful that about 1974, when I was two, my parents went to a Methodist church and they actually sat down. But this time, it worked in their favor. There was a brass plate with my father's, I believe, mother or grandmother's name on the back of it. And dad had told my mom, if these guys aren't friendly, I'm done with God. And while they sat there, mom's praying that my dad would get saved. When they heard my father's last name, the biggest smile this side of the Mississippi, and actually told dad that he had a loved one that was here before she passed. My dad stayed in church, ended up getting saved at another church. My dad and I were baptized on the same day. He became my Sunday school teacher. And my dad never once preached a Sunday sermon, but he was arguably the most respected man on Capitol Hill. And he didn't preach it, but he lived it. Would you give God and Grace a round of applause? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king had one more move. Daniel in the lion's den, the king had one more do. Moses in the Red Sea, the king had one more move. Jesus on the cross, he rose from the dead. He had one more move. And you know what I love about Pastor? Yes, we've talked about urgency. And Pastor Adonica just did the covenant women. But you know what? We have one more round. And you know what? God's not done. And God is going to use Tampa to change these counties, this country, and this continent. God is on the move. I said God is on the move. God is going to use you. He's going to use you. He's going to use you. And he's going to use you. God is dying to use you. And what I love, he's going to use a bunch of unknowns to make his name known. You don't need to be famous, but you got to be faithful. You don't got to be a star, but you got to be used by the sun. And in the last hour, it's not to play it safe. It's to preach Jesus saves. Jesus is the way. And he's coming soon. Amen. The world... The girl wasn't going to church, so they brought church to her. Paul and Silas with their back against the wall. And prison, prison comes before promotion. If you ever find yourself in prison, I bet if I asked someone to raise their hand, we'd have a few here tonight. But you know what? Family may have been disappointed in you. You're probably disappointed in yourself. But God is getting ready to use you the most. The reason your rearview mirror is smaller than your car windshield. Because where you're going with God is more importantly than where you've been with the devil. If you find yourself in prison, you need to pray like never before. When you're in prison, literally or symbolically, you'll learn who you really are. When you get to the end of you, you get to the beginning of God, and that's not a bad place to be. When you're in prison, you not only learn who you are, you'll learn who your real friends really are. I had a friend that was in prison. I went to go see him. He said, Frank, when the girls were gone, the music faded, the money was gone. He said, quote, you were the only person ever to see me incarcerated. I went to Vice President Biden's son's funeral. 
on a three-hour drive over there. Satan told me to go back, go back, go back. I remember that old song, It's Too Late to Turn Back Now. Satan said you're not going to find a place to park. When you're in God's will, it's on his bill. When God guides, he provides. And when he says go, you got to get going. I drove three hours each mile, turned back, Bay Bridge turned back. I'm now in the first state, turned back. If you only hang out with folks who look like you, dress like you, talk like you, vote like you, you don't look like Jesus. I found a parking spot right behind the state capitol. Bo Biden was the attorney general of Delaware. High hopes for him. They said he was going to probably be the governor. President Obama's there. Biden is the vice president. Then Satan said, well, you found a place to park. You're lucky. No, I had the Lord. I talked to you about Clinton. I'm now talking to you about Biden. They said, well, it is the vice president's, and, you know, you've been around a few people, but it's not every day you go to a wedding or a funeral. Are they going to let you in? Do you need a ticket? You will probably go through the Secret Service. And they said the line will be around the door. And it was two hours later. But when God said go and I was gone, I was the 10th person in line at Vice President Biden's son's funeral. I go through the Secret Service. I go through the state capitol, local police. I went through two layers of security just to go to a funeral. And when I got in, as God is my witness, I saw the American flag draped casket of Bo Biden. And when I went through the Secret Service and saw the flag, I knew Biden was in the house before I saw him. Because if you don't see it, before you see it, you'll never see it. I had a megachurch pastor one time said, how are you doing it? I said, in love, you'll outfinance me, but you will not outfaith me. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the currency of heaven, but it's not wrong when the finances come and you already had the faith. They can't stop you. There's the vice president. I'm coming up closer to him, and I'm like, God, give me a word. And when I was the youngest on the floor of 40 years at the U.S. Senate, I knew him when he was Joseph R. Biden, senator from Little Delaware. And I'm now toe-to-toe with the vice president, just like the devil was telling me not to say hi or wish for Jesus to President Clinton. I looked at him, and he was broken, standing right next to the son's casket. And I said, God bless you, Mr. President. I said, it's been a while, but I'm Frank Shelton, Jr., I used to work on the floor with you, the United States Senate. He took a step back and he said, well, what are you doing now? I said, sir, I'm an evangelist and I'm on staff with Billy Graham and I represent all of Delaware for Dr. Graham. He grabbed my hand and weeping, he said three times, please, please, please pray for my family. He was broken. I hugged him. I hugged Dr. Jill Biden. I met Bo's widow, met the kids, and I met Hunter Biden. And when I left and there were some reporters outside and they had been asking people where you're from, and someone asked the question, are you a Republican or a Democrat? And the Bible said he'll give you the words to say at that moment. I said, sir, I'm an American and I'm a born again Christian. He said, why would you drive this far to come? And I said, I wanted the vice president to know that he wasn't alone when the bottom fell out. 
ministry doesn't show up on the mountain. It shows up in the valley. And unless you're willing to sit someone in their storm, you don't deserve to stand with them in the sunshine. So Paul and Silas were preaching and praising, and she wasn't going to church, and they brought church to her, and they're in prison with the back against the wall. Who you hang out with will determine if you'll go to the next level with the Lord. There's some people online that need to pray about coming to this Bible college. It's unlike any place in the world. There's some people on the sound of my voice that need to support online this ministry. It's unlike any place in the world. There's people who drive out of state to be here, and that's not an exaggeration. At the stand, any given week, there could be people from 15, not counties, not states, countries show up on that field. Why? Because you have a pastor who took a stand when most sat out. I have people who privately messaged me, Frank, I don't mean anything bad, but I'm disgusted with the lack of leadership of our church. And there you are, the nicest guy around, and you're the one preaching it hot. So with Paul and Silas, we're at the back in the wall. They probably said, what do you do? Some of you, some of you on television. Well, I want it to be on TBN. No, if you're at the toilets, give God all you got. Yes, I've been at Madison Square Garden. Pastor did it better than anybody and Dr. Graham. Together, no one did it like them. God threw them. But guys, I didn't start out at Madison Square Garden. I started out in Maryland. I didn't start out with Hollywood. I started by my house. I didn't start out with celebrity. I started with anonymity. I didn't chase a platform. I chased people. And if you serve Jesus where no one's looking, you'll have to have something to say if a few more are watching. It's not about being seen. It's about the gospel be heard. Aren't you thankful, Billy Graham and George Beverly Shea? Aren't you thankful that Pastor Rodney and Adonica and the praise team didn't quit in the pandemic? Oh, Lord, I got to trust the science. No, they trusted the Savior. Oh, we better bow to Fauci. No, we're going to bow to the Father. Oh, we're going to trust the government. No, they trusted God. Give God a round of applause. What do we do? Well, you were going to do the preaching. I'm going to do the praise. And watch this. And they preached, they praised, and the prisoners heard them. And at midnight, Adrian Rogers said, Never doubt in the dark what the Lord showed you in the light. Acts 16. So, you know, I didn't make this up. Acts 16, verse 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. They prayed, they sang praises, and the prisoners heard them. They prayed, they praised, and the prisoners heard them. Aren't you thankful that we didn't let a pandemic stop the preaching and praising of his name? Now watch this. They stuck with the stuff and the storm. She wasn't going to church. They brought church to her. It looked like, my God, we got demoted. No, we got promoted. And the words of George Jefferson, moving on up. 
the prisoners weren't going to church, but because they preached and praised in prison, because they preached and praised in a pandemic, prisoners heard them. Revival broke out, and the prisoners weren't going to church, but darn it, Paul and Silas and the Holy Ghost bring church to the prisoners. Amen. My final point, the girl wasn't going to church. They brought church to her. She was a daughter of the devil, became a daughter of divine. The prisoners weren't going to church, so they bought church to the prisoners. In prison, pray like never before. Sing his praises like never before. Don't just worship him in the good. Can you worship him in the bad? Anyone can quote scripture in victory. Will you still serve him in the valley? In tough times, you will either worship stress or worship the Savior. You cannot be consumed with anxiety and the Almighty at the same time. We need to stop telling God how big our mountains are and start telling our mountains how big our God is. And when you are down, that's when you lift them up. I've been told that blacksmith is a dying art. It's a painstaking process, and it's a rare gift. A blacksmith has to hover over a lava-like fire. And if he leaves it in the fiery furnace too long, it destroys it. If he pulls it out premature, it's of no use. But he knows the litmus test has been passed when the blacksmith, with just the right heat, when he lifts it up, if he can see his image and the blade, he knows it's fit to be used. And I'm going to tell you right now, the pandemic though it was planned, didn't catch God by surprise. But I believe the church really wasn't ready for it. Not this church, but too many of the corporate church. It revealed who we are not. And when NFL, not National Football League, not for long, when three-letter sports, MLB, NBA, and NFL crashed, and Hollywood ceased to make films. It was almost like the only one still standing when the smoke cleared was God himself. And I felt like with tears, the Lord was saying, can you hear me now? And when all the idols fell, I remember on 9-11, one block, my office got evacuated. While you all watched it on CNN and Fox, I was running for my life. They literally came in my office I was on the phone raising money for President George W. Bush, and they screamed, run for your life. And when those towers collapsed, the Lord said, what you can see is temporal, but what you cannot see is eternal. That was a game changer for me. And guys, this is what I want you to see. I think the pandemic was a space of grace to see his face. And when you get your eyes on Emmanuel, when you're looking at the Lord, when your gaze is on God, you're not only focused and you're not only on fire, 
that's when it gets fun. And when you're in the Word, you're going to change the world. When you have been on your knees before God, you can stand tall before any man. And when everybody else ran out, say stand. This is the hat trick, the trifecta. And this is for somebody. When God's finally blessing, see it didn't make sense two minutes ago that because they stuck with the stuff of the storm and they preached and praised and the prisoners had revival. See, now you can see God in the storm. And I wanted to tell you guys, I got good news. Not only do we already win, and not only are you on the winning team, and not only was God in the fire, God was there all along. And when everyone else ran out like a bunch of Mexicans, and I can say that because my wife's from El Salvador. When everyone else ran, they praised, they preached, they proclaimed, the prisoners heard them, and bam, the handcuffs fell off. And everyone ran out, and I felt like, God, why didn't they run? And the Holy Spirit said, because they were already free. They didn't do anything wrong, but because in the last days, good is called evil, and evil is good, some of us are going to be persecuted in the natural, but it's really promoted in the supernatural. And don't get me wrong, I love prosperity, and I love where the Bible says the Lord will give you treasures that were stored up in the enemy's storehouse. But I got good news. You're not only going to have goods in the last hour, you got God in the last hour. And when everybody else ran but Paul and Silas, and I'm done, and I'm getting ready to give an altar call, the jailer was getting in and throw and kill himself. And they screamed, stop! Do yourself no harm! We're still here. Let me ask you this. How many Christians are willing to forgive somebody who will never apologize? And the same man that had them beaten publicly, incarcerated privately, Paul and Silas had enough of the Lord in them that they were trying to forgive someone who was still far from God. And had they would have run prematurely, they would have saw two blessings but missed on the third. And they said, sir, do yourself no harm. They stopped him from committing suicide. And then this top cop, and I love cops, the jailer came up and he said, sirs, with a capital S. He went from rejecting Paul and Silas to respecting Paul and Silas. What must I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the name of Confucius, no power. Believe on the name of Muhammad, strike two. Believe on the name of Buddha, I wouldn't have drove 10 hours to represent religion. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou be saved. Watch this. The girl wasn't going to church. They brought church to her. The prisoners weren't going to church. They brought church to the prisoners. And the top cop was not going to church. And I'm thankful that they not only stuck with the stuff, but they stayed with the Savior.
And that was the hat trick, the trifecta. And then he came home and they said, let his whole family to Christ. Now in love to our friends watching around the world, God loves you. For our preacher friends out there, we love you. And for those after the last 24 exact months had a couple sincere but sincerely wrongs, swing and a miss, it's time to get back up and swing for the fence. And guys, God was there all along. I preached in the Bahamas with Andre Crouch. I thank him for the mountains. I thank him for the valleys. I'm thankful for the storms he's brought me through. For if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. And I wouldn't know what faith that my God could do through it all. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend on His Word. Fear will keep you on the couch, but faith wins the game. Give God a round of applause. I'm going to ask that you stand to your feet all over the auditorium. This is the most important message right now. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to stay still, but God's getting ready to move. The most important part of the sermon, other than the message, the word of Christ, the good news of the gospel, is the invitation. There was a Latin phrase called RSVP. You got it as a kid for a birthday party, a retirement, a wedding. Someone thought well of you enough to invite you to the party. Proper protocol dictates you need to respond, I'm either coming or I'm not. If you look at the news today, you would think beer, bikinis, babes on a beach is going to be the greatest party of all time. The greatest party of all time is not on earth, and it's not even in hell. The greatest party of all time will be heaven. That's why I left Washington to see souls saved. If you're here today and you've been encouraged tonight, would you just say amen all over the auditorium? If you've been encouraged tonight watching around the world, would you just type online and say, it's been good to be in the online house of the Lord. But I want to encourage you, this coming week is Palm Sunday, and then it's Easter Sunday, and there's no greater time to be in the house of God. Because if I'm willing to preach in Pakistan, we need to still be coming here on this land while we still have a chance. And I got good news. The answer is in Jesus the Christ. And if you're here today and you know you're saved, when I count to three, would you just raise your hand towards heaven? Frank, I know that I'm saved. Raise your hand all over the auditorium. Praise the Lord many. Some of you are dead, but stay with me. Question number three, if you're here today and you say, Frank, I'm here today, but I'm not 100% sure. If I died tonight, I'd go to be with the holy God in heaven. I know I'm not perfect. Our sin separates us from a holy God. 
The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And coming to Christ is easy as the ABCs. A, admit that you're a sinner. See, it wasn't the apple in the tree. It was the pear on the ground. It wrecked it for us all. And where Adam and Eve dropped the ball in one garden, Jesus in another garden at Gethsemane picked up the ball and won the game on the cross. But it wasn't just on the cross. It was rising from the dead. And on the third day, he rose again. That's where Mac Powell comes out with the Christian group, third day. And Jesus died. He takes his red blood and mixed it with my dark sin, and somehow it turns in like snow. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But here's the catch. The demons believe and tremble with fear. It's not just believing. It's C, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. The Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here tonight or watching by way online, repeat after me with heads bowed and eyes closed. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you're the Savior. I heard that Jesus died for the world, but I realized that the River Church in Tampa Bay, Florida, if it was just me, Christ would have died for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I want to repent from my sin. I'm putting my trust in you alone. They put you in a borrowed tomb, but on the third day you rose again. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. By faith and your grace, save my soul. You died for me. I'm going to live for you. Be my best friend. And I want to be your disciple. Put my name and your book of life in Jesus' name. With no one looking, if you prayed that prayer, meant it with all your heart. When I count to three, raise your hand all over the auditorium. One, two, three. Did anyone pray that prayer? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I believe there's people watching around the world tonight in different continents from Australia to Asia to Africa to America. From Los Angeles to La Plata, Maryland. From Dunkirk to Dallas to Detroit. From Cleveland to Cairo to Columbia. People are getting saved. But tonight, River Church, in the solemn of this moment, if you believe America needs revival, raise your hand. If you're saved, but you want to go to the next level, raise your hand. If you have the weight of the world on your shoulder, raise your hand. And if you know one person, one, who's lost or hurting, would you raise your hand? I'm going to count to three. There's freedom at the altar. I believe we're going to smack Satan in the mouth tonight. And when I count to three, if you mean business with God, God means business with you. I'm going to ask you to be the first. It makes it easier for the person next to you. Billy Graham said, when the first one steps, it strengthens the spine of everyone behind him. There's freedom on the floor. And I'm going to ask you to step up your game like never before. And in these last days, let's get a burden for the lost. Let's love large like Jesus, and let's be billboards of his good news. I'm going to go out on a limb. Let's pray for our government leaders. Let's pray for our pastors.
and pray that God would fill us so much of him. His aroma would draw people to him. Thousands daily are being saved through all the ministries birthed from this church. Millions and now billions are watching and the lost is watching since they're looking. Let them see Jesus. If you have a friend who's lost, who's hurting, you believe America needs revival, I'm going to count to three. You can stand or kneel. Let's go to the next level for the Lord. You come. You come right now, all over the auditorium. you need a breakthrough tonight God wants to meet you tonight you're saved you're running on empty and you love the Lord but if you need a breakthrough God wants to touch you tonight these are just imperfect hands But if you want a touch from God, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And God is in this place. Thank you. 
Jesus' name.
watching by way of television, you've been touched tonight, we encourage you to call that number on the screen. We love you very much. I want to remind everybody, way of television, that Sunday morning, the main event, 9.30 a.m. and 7 p.m., the night service. We just want to encourage you to come and join us. The Holy Spirit is moving. The anointing is flowing. Let the Lord touch you. And just continue to receive from him tonight. On behalf of Pastors Rodney and Adana Kahabrabi, we just want to say thank you for joining us in the stand. We love you very much. And once again, come join us again. Bless you. final hour if you don't have this anointing you will not make it in the days to come only the power of the Holy Spirit will carry you through the storms that shall come but those that know their God shall do exploits in his name God's called you to do exploits in his name. There's people sitting here and you're wondering how in the world am I going to accomplish what God's called me to do. That which I feel the Lord's telling me to do is so big. It's in meetings like this where the fire of God's falling. Suddenly you see things you never saw before. Suddenly you know things you didn't know before. He said, it's all over, Pastor. Things are finished. I've got news for you. It's not over. I saw the hand of God clear the earth one more time. One more time. One more time he will change.